everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Way back in 586 B.C., after years of Jews going after false gods, God had had enough. He brings in the Babylonian army to capture the Jews, take them away to Babylon for 70 years, and they have to serve the king of Babylon. And then after 70 years, the Jews get to go back home. During that 70-year period, one Jew in Babylon distinguished himself. His name was Daniel. He was such a good administrator, the king was about to put Daniel over the whole land when some of the Babylonian officials got jealous. Who is this Jew that's going to be promoted over us? And they hatched a plot. Today we're going to see the story of Daniel and us now in the lion's den. So would you take out your Bible, turn in the Old Testament to Daniel chapter 6, and let's learn all we can from this ancient story. Let's pray first. Father, as our American culture gets more hostile to Christ and His values, we would pray You'd help each of us stand up like Daniel stood up to the lions. And God, would You speak to us now? In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. It seemed good to Darius the king to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps, because Daniel possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to governmental affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as Daniel was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. All right, let's, let's talk about what got Daniel into the lion's den. The first thing, first lesson today, be faithful in your work. Daniel was faithful to the king. He was a faithful employee. And be faithful in your job. Daniel was faithful with money. Are you faithful in your job? Do you do a good job or do you loaf on the job? Are you faithful with money? So I make, I make pottery for a hobby. This Christian woman says, well, Pastor Brock, I have an art gallery. And give me your pottery. I'll sell it and I'll send you a check. So I did. She sold all my pottery never got a check. For two years, I would call her periodically, still haven't got the check. Oh, it's coming. I did this for two years. It was such a headache. Finally, at the end of two years, she sent me my money. But listen, if you're unfaithful in your work, if you're unfaithful with money, you can be a headache to people. So be Daniel. First, be faithful at your job. The next thing that got Daniel into the lion's den, look at verse 5. 
Then these men said, we shall not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, have consulted together that the king should establish a law and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition or prayer to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is to say, the injunction. The next thing that got Daniel into the lion's den, ungodly laws pass. Now we have gay marriage in America, and in certain states, Christian bakers, Christian florists, Christian wedding photographers are being fined because ungodly laws have passed. When I was a little boy, abortion was illegal, and it was the abortionists who were in jail. Today, pro-lifers sometimes end up in jail. I want to read you something from a Minneapolis newspaper. Bloomington Assembly of God brought in a pro-life speaker on a Sunday morning. About a hundred protesters demonstrated outside the church holding signs and heckling people who were entering the church building. One young woman, a pro-lifer, was spit upon. Protesters included feminists, homosexuals, and others. The crowd chanted, racist, sexist, anti-gay, and then they named the pro-life speaker, go away, and then F the church, F the state, women must decide their fate. Inside the church, the pro-life speaker said, this is good for our people to have to come through this to see the hatred now toward Christianity. It draws a clear picture of the cultural battle we are engaged in. He continued, um, uh, what's going on is a cultural civil war and for the most part, the church has been off playing spiritual tiddlywinks. We go from potluck supper to faith meetings on how we can believe God for a bigger house or a bigger car and we neglect what's going on. Do you know when that was written? Way back in 1992. And this battle still rages today. But um, you know what's worse now? What's new? Way back in 1992, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church uh, USA, they weren't ordaining practicing homosexuals. They weren't marrying homosexual couples. Now some of these denominations are doing that and they take a pro-abortion stand. Oh, we are in a cultural war. Daniel was too. Uh, let's look at verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Now, you know, Daniel could have said, it's only for 30 days. For 30 days, I'm not going to pray. But instead he said, nope, I'm not going to budge. So here's the next lesson. <laughs> Refuse to compromise. Martin Niemöller was a Lutheran pastor in Nazi Germany. He refused to bow the knee to Hitler. It landed him in jail. 
one of his friends was very perturbed with his pastor and visited the pastor in prison. Pastor Niemuller, why are you here? And Pastor Niemuller responded, friend, why aren't you here? Niemuller refused to compromise. Daniel refused to compromise. You do that too, Christian. Look at verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making prayer and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, The statement is true according to the law of Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, a Jew, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you sign, but keeps making his prayer three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king has established may be changed. Here's the next lesson. If you won't compromise, wait for war. You know what I thought of? Back in, the 19, in about 1977, when the homosexual movement really started to progress in the United States, one person stood up against it. It was the singer Anita Bryant. And you can Google this and watch this. She's speaking in 1977, and a gay activist takes a pie and shoves it in Anita Bryant's face. If you are going to refuse to compromise with your culture, wait for war. Years ago, a, teenage, a teenager of my church says, Pastor Brock, I was at my high school, public high school in Minneapolis, and I'm sitting in the nurse's office, and a student comes in, and the nurse opens up the door and hands him some condoms. I said, what? Is that what the nurse's office is doing now? So we took 200 people down to the school board and said, what? And so it kind of got to be a big deal in the news for a couple days. So I got a phone call from a, Chris, a, a, a disc jockey who wanted to interview me on this on, on his radio show. So I, I said, duh, okay, I didn't know what I was doing. Whoa. I walked into his radio studio, and he has these posters on the walls of the studio, and I'm thinking, I'm not in Kansas anymore, Toto. It was a vile place. So I sit down for the interview. Well, Pastor Brock, who are you to tell teenagers they can't have sex? And who are you to enforce your Christian values on everybody? And he just blasted me. And I said, well... There are good reasons God tells us to wait till we're married to have sex. Venereal disease, unwanted pregnancies, emotional scars, you know, and I, well, who are you? And it was a miserable interview. <clears throat> Afterwards, a pastor friend of mine who I didn't tell about this was working on his car and he said, I happened to turn on the radio and he heard the whole thing. And he said, you know what drove him crazy, Tom? You wouldn't budge. And Christian friend, I ask you to be Daniel today, loving, kind, and humble, but don't budge. 
Look at verse 16. And now Daniel's going into the pit, and here's what you need to know when you go into the pit. Daniel chapter uh, 6, verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing might be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace, and he spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before the king, and his sleep fed, fled from him. Here's the next lesson. Discipleship includes the den. You know, you might say, well, Daniel was a follower of God. Why didn't God keep him from having to go into the lion's den? The answer is because discipleship includes the den. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up a cross. That means you have to be willing to suffer for Christ if you're going to follow him. Daniel was willing to suffer for God. Look at the verse 19. Then the king arose with the dawn, and at the break of day he went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near to the den, to Daniel, he cried out with a loud troubled voice, the king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Here's the next lesson. God is supernatural. If you're in a pit right now, maybe you're having a rough time this week, you got to know you have a supernatural God who can step in and supernaturally deliver you from the lions. But you also need to know he doesn't always do that. For instance, back in 1628, John Bunyan was born. He was a Puritan preacher, and it was illegal in England, not to be Church of England. John Bunyan spent 12 years in prison for his Puritan faith, during which he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, one of the greatest books ever written. But God didn't deliver him out of the pit for 12 years. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, another German Lutheran pastor during Nazi Germany who stood up against Hitler. They threw Bonhoeffer in Buchenwald concentration camp in 1943, and he was hung there in 1945. So God can supernaturally deliver you, or you can die in the lion's den. But we leave that up to him. Now, you could say, well, why didn't God deliver Bonhoeffer? Do you know that Bonhoeffer's concentration camp was liberated by the Allies just shortly after Bonhoeffer was hanged. And God, why didn't you have him come just a day or two earlier, whatever it was? Well, why didn't God save Bonhoeffer? I think the answer is God did save Bonhoeffer. He's in heaven. <laughs> so he'll save you one way or another. Look at verse 23. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den 
So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Here's the next lesson. Our main job in the pit is to trust. Okay, I'm in a pit right now. God, I trust that you can get me out of this. And I also trust, God, if you don't get me out of this, you're still in control. And I know it's hard to say, but no matter what, God, I'm going to trust. If they kill me, I'm going to trust you are in control. Again, that's hard to do, but our job is to show this world, no matter what they do to us, we're going to continue to trust in God. Verse 24. Then the king gave orders, and they brought those who, men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them, their children and their wives, into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. This is called poetic justice. Here's the next lesson. In the end, the godly win. This is from Psalm 57. They have prepared a net for my steps. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into it. You know, when, do you ever wonder why God lets you get into a pit? Why does God allow you to have problems? Here's the verse from Psalm 50. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will rescue you and you will honor me. In other words, I think the reason God lets us get into trouble is so we'll cry out, God, help, and then he helps, and when he helps, you honor him, you glorify him. <laughs> um, it was uh, finally after Daniel gets out of the lion, that's when the king of Babylon starts praising the true God as, as the God uh, of Daniel. So um, when God delivers you, and here's the last lesson, your deliverance story brings God glory. When you get saved from the lion's den, that glorifies God and you praise him for it, and other people do too, like the king. Years ago, I was hiking in Colorado by myself. I start climbing this rock mountain, and the, the rocks were kind of flying out from under my feet as I was climbing this mountain, but I, I just kept going, and then I realized, this is really getting dangerous. I'm going to turn around. So I turned around, and I started going back down the mountain, and every time I did that, boy, did the rocks fly. And for maybe two hours, it was like every step could have been my last. I got down from that mountain and praised the Lord because, boy, had I been praying for two hours. I'm, walk, I'm hiking back through the forest to get to my car, and I think I kind of went in shock a little bit. I think I was a little crazy. It was so intense. And here comes this hiker toward me, and I stopped him. I ju God just rescued me. For two hours, I was on the side, of, and I just kind of just told him my story of deliverance. And I remember this guy kind of looks, <laughs> who is this guy? But you know what happens? When God delivers you from a pit, you got to tell people about it, and then they glorify God. All right. Well, let's close with this. Christian, we are in a cultural lion's den today. We are in a cultural war that we haven't been winning lately, Christians. So I want to ask you, would you be Daniel? Would you stand up in this culture? Would you refuse to compromise? I mean, right when I was working on this very sermon, somebody sent me a snooty email criticizing me for being against gay marriage. And, you know, overwhelmingly, 
the letters and the emails we get, they're positive. Thank you, Pastor Brock, for taking a stand. You know, but sometimes I get the most profane, evil emails. Am I going to let that stop me from taking a biblical stand? Lord forbid. I want to encourage you and me, let's be Daniel. And even if they throw us in the lion's den, let us not compromise but hold fast to Jesus Christ and his values. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, what do Christians mean when they say that they're giving their testimony? Yes, sometimes you go to a church and brother so-and-so gets up and gives his testimony. And he normally is telling how he got converted but sometimes giving a testimony is telling how God saved you from a car accident. It, a testimony is when you testify of a good thing God has done. And that's what, when Daniel got saved from the lion's den, that's when the king of, of uh, Persian Medes realized that Daniel's God was the true God. Yeah. Okay, when you say that the godly will win, then why do we still have all the things going on that are so wrong? We have abortion, now there's gay marriage, you talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't seem like Christians are winning. You know, we haven't been winning, Jackie. Here's what's amazing. For 250 years, Christians in America have had an amazing ride. We have influenced this culture big time for 250 years. In the words of Bob Dylan, the times, they are a changing. And we're in a period of time now, and I don't know if we'll ever come out of it, where Christian values now are going down the tubes. What do we mean when we say that in the end, the godly will win? Well, in the very end, it's called Judgment Day. That's when we win for sure. Hopefully we'll win before that, but we're not guaranteed that. Okay, Pastor Brock, when exactly did Daniel live? Daniel lived about 600 B.C., it was during that 70-year time period when the Jews had to leave their home country and be in slavery to Babylon because the Jews had fallen after false idols. Then they got to come home and were a kingdom again after that. You know, it's hard to recognize and believe that, that actually all yeah, happened. Right, the, the so. Jews were able to come back. It, that's a, 1948, same thing. Jews became a kingdom again in 1948. So it's, God has his hand on that people. <laughs> okay, so do we take the lion's den story literally then? Uh, you know, Jackie, I am in a, I'm in correspondence on a very liberal Facebook page with some very liberal Lutheran pastors who, you know, Jonah never existed, Daniel never existed, Adam and Eve never existed. And, you know, you read the New Testament, Jesus believed in, in uh, uh, Jonah Jesus believed in Noah. Jesus believed in, you know, Paul the Apostle, you know, they believed in Adam and Eve. So, yes, I take it that they actually happened. There's nothing in those stories or in the New Testament referring back to the stories that makes any hint that it was uh, a fairy tale. Hmm. Yeah. Well, if God is um, supernatural and can always deliver us, why doesn't he always deliver us? He, Sometimes he, we yes, go through things he, that... You know, he does. It's, I think it's to keep us close to him. Jackie, I'm closest to God when I'm in trouble. And I'm furthest from God when everything is fine. In fact, we were just talking before the camera started rolling about a certain young woman and her, her fiance 
who she used to walk with Christ. She was raised in a Christian home anyway, not anymore. And the person said, the reason they don't go after Christ is they don't need him. They're both rich, they're healthy, and they don't need him. One reason I think God lets us suffer is that's when we realize we need him. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess, who are some of the modern day Daniels that you would say uh -huh. exist today? You know who I like? I like Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham. He's one of the few people to say that Islam is evil and that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He takes a firm stand against gay marriage, abortion, all this stuff. So I really like Franklin Graham. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you consider him a modern day I, I would, somebody okay. who doesn't compromise. So, but you know, I guess I still am coming back to this. Don't we have some control? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. didn't God, God created us too? And uh -huh. that, is it just a human nature that we want to have control and right. not let God have the control? Right. What, a not, what allowed Daniel to, to want God's control in his life, whereas the Babylonian jealous people didn't want... It, this gets into the mystery of predestination. Daniel was chosen by God to do what he did. You and I are chosen by God to be believers. How come he doesn't choose everybody? I don't know totally the answer to that, but God is the one who chooses who are the people that'll stand for him. And I think, yeah, we have, do we have control ultimately? I think God has control and he's the one that moves me to stand up. You know, it kind of brings back that question that I think everybody has at one point. Are we gonna know our loved ones when we get to heaven? Uh -huh. Because yeah. if we don't see them there, yeah. we won't be happy in right. heaven, right? right? And so, well, some people say, yeah, if, you, if your husband doesn't end up in heaven, Will I be sad in heaven because he's not there? I think we will so understand things, Jackie, that we will say we'll, we'll understand that's right. And, uh, or maybe God erases your memories, who knows? But I, well, there'll be joy regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're down to just about a minute left okay. now. Is yeah. there anything you'd like to say today to people? Yeah. That you know, everybody. Uh, we almost had to cut back on some TV stations that run our show because of finances, but God bless you. Thank you for praying and giving because uh, we're able to stay on all the stations now. So thank you for that. And uh, just uh, we want to pray that you go to our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, and you can watch all of our TV shows for free there. And so do that and pray for us, if you would, that God will use this program to bring people to Christ. We'll see you next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. 
May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.